0: Here we go again. Rtt seventy one. Uh, seventy one. Number seventy one. Luck, my lucky number. That's Is it? Number. Nah. <laughs> You've won no. the lottery on seventy one. I don't really. Yeah, I keep playing seventy one, and all their numbers are <laughs> way bigger.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, keep trying.
0: seems like there's a problem. Uh, yeah, here we are. Um, we are. How, how are things on your end?
1: Uh, good you're part of the country good yeah well That's you know as <laughs> so much can be expected
0: much right in these times in which we live uh sort of a foggy foggy gray uh morning here um yeah and, same uh, here. yeah so um i don't know it's uh the passage of time the seasons is sort of everything's weird uh you know, in our again, in these times we live in, it's fall. What is you know, what is winter going to be like? When are we going to be done with all this? You know, I don't know. Every every time marker sort of uh, points to how how our lives are sort of way different this year than yeah. than any other yeah. year, right? Right, for sure. Uh, yeah. So as we're uh, as we're in this, uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus uh, and. So that's a disruption. I mean, the the, the pandemic has disrupted everything, uh, and you know we have this sense of what life's going to be like. We had this sense of what life was going to be like a year ago, uh, and we would never have predict- predicted this. Uh, everything's been disrupted, um, and it's kind of interesting because uh, you know we're going to look at Jesus as a as you know sort of a disruptive uh, person obviously. Uh, but it's kind of a word that's often celebrated uh, in our in our culture, you know, that to be a disruptor, you know, these uh, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, ventures, that they disrupt the economy. There's all sorts of things that have disrupted things positively, in a sense, or at least positively slash neutrally, you know, airplane disrupted the world, computer internet, cell phone, all sorts of things that we take for granted now, um, companies that, I mean, it's hard to think back to when, even though it wasn't that long ago, when Amazon didn't exist, right? <laughs> right. Or do you remember when Amazon just sold books? I mean, they, they, it was this place where you could find a book online and order it and they would deliver it to your house. Oh, like that two weeks later, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Or Netflix would send you DVDs in the mail and you would play
1: them. Do you remember that? Yeah, I totally remember that. Or YouTube yeah, and it, was just YouTube and now I was looking into getting YouTube TV. Right, 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 <laughs>
0: right. So, I mean, so those things seemed weird and now it looks back to look at those now and it seems weird how far we've come from that. And that wasn't been that long because so there's been a lot of disruption, uh, but there is disruption in our lives um, things don't stay the same, which oddly seems to surprise us. You know, our children grow, leave the home, we get older, you know, we see wrinkles on our face and go, huh, um, right. as if it's a surprise. In fact, um, uh, the avit brothers have a have a song about, uh, I can't think of the name of it at the time, but it's basically – that he's made this, he's made this great discovery, this huge discovery. Contact the Smithsonian. Uh, that he's, you know, he's got lines on his face and his teeth are getting yellow, and <laughs> it's like there's this. <laughs> it happens to everyone, but we're surprised, right? By it, yeah. Uh, and that's sort of like so. Like part of it is we kind of have this sense. I don't know that things are just going to stay the way they are. I mean, is that sort of our default setting, or do we? In some sense, we want things to stay the way they are or what's, what is that?
1: I don't know. I think that's true. I may be a default setting. Maybe many personalities want that uh, everything to kind of be settled, to settle down, to settle in, to stay the same. If we could just capture this moment, if nothing could ever change. Now that may not be true of many people in the world. They may be facing uh, a lot of right. challenges that you and I don't face, and they may think, uh, "No, we don't have clean water and regular food. Right. And we need right. things to change." But I think right. for for many in the developed parts of the world, and yeah, it's uh, it, it becomes this. I don't like disruption. It was funny because I was talking to my my fourteen year old today. She's going to uh, hybrid school, and she's going to class this morning. And she woke up, and she just said, "You know, I I can't wait to get home, and I can maybe just watch Netflix." <laughs> and I think if if most people are honest, that might be the sentiment that comes out of our mouths in the mornings <laughs> before work or school. Like, you know what? I'm looking forward to eight o'clock tonight when I'm on the couch or in my bedroom, relaxing and mm-hmm. watching the show. And I'm reminded of uh, uh, James Hollis. Was that, is that the name of his book, The Living an Examined Life? And he said to two, two mm-hmm. gremlins yeah. that, that you have to fight Um, starting in kind of middle age is, uh, laziness and comfort. And I just, at least for me, I find that extremely true when I wake up in the morning. Um, because, and I just said to Macy, I said, just, I think you need to show up. Like you'll be physically there, but show up. That's the, Mm -hmm. one of the great temptations and, and to circle back, probably one of the needs for disruption is when given the choice, we probably would rather not show up. And so yeah, we so need, we
0: need so we need some disruption. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, we don't want it, and, and, and in a way, our, what we want is irrational. Because if you know, if we if all we could do is stay home and watch Netflix at some point, that would become its own prison. <laughs> uh, but but there's times that we want it, or even if we said, oh, I just wish I could freeze my kids at this age. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you don't actually wish that. I mean, because that would be like a Twilight Zone episode where, yeah. right, yeah. where nobody like your kids never like have their own lives mm-hmm. and grow, <laughs> grow up and get married and have kids and, you don't become a grandparent. I mean, I, I get the sentiment, we, but we don't like we we don't really want that. It's not actually what's good for us, but there's some sense I'm, in which I don't know if it's fear of the future or we just want to tell ourselves we know how the future is going to be even though we don't and it's we were obviously we would have been wrong a year ago uh, in all sorts of ways. Right. That. um, So, yeah, I think that's right. I think we don't, we don't like it often. And we don't like thinking that my life is going to be disrupted, but often we need it. Usually we need it, I guess. Um, And, and that's sort of, you know, kind of entree into Jesus as the disruptor uh, or God has to you know, needs to, uh, or wants to disrupt us, um, or, you know, expectations, view of the world or plans or so on. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you ever have uh, Does your prayer ever. God don't disrupt me. I mean, we don't actually pray that, but
1: <laughs>
0: some form. Well, it, of... I
1: think, I think we kind of do though. I think we do, and we may not realize it, so it's not to beat any of us up, but I think often we're praying for the very things that might get in the way of what God wants to do. Yeah. We may be praying for comfort and peace and right. everything right. to be settled. And God is saying, but wait, you you don't understand the deeper places I'd like to take you through this disruption, through this dissettlement. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we might, be, we might be saying, God, don't disrupt me uh, in, in a different way.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like you talking to your daughter saying, just show up. I mean, God needs to talk to us and say, you know, you need to show up. And, you know, some disruption might be necessary Mm -hmm. for you to um, be equipped or be in the mind frame or be in the place where you have to show up. Um, You know, so this gets to. Uh, it's, it's it makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to everyone else, but the story of Jesus as a twelve year old boy, the Jesus in the temple, and because I think of it from the uh, standpoint of Mary and Joseph, and what was this uh, that Jesus? Of course, they go through this miraculous birth narrative, and then we don't have anything for. 12 years and Jesus is a boy in their home however different that would have been for them uh, you know however we don't really know what was Jesus like as a four-year-old or a five-year-old um, exactly and so we have this you know it's that' he's 12 and they're and they're they're going to Jerusalem for the Passover uh, it's Luke 2, 42 through 52. Uh, every year Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival. According to the custom after the festival was over while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, I love that the boy, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it thinking he was in their company. They traveled on for a day and they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him after three days, they found him in the temple courts, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So it's a fascinating story for me on a a lot of different levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's easy to see, you know, here's the sign at which Jesus is conscious that he is, you know, that he is the son of God at some level, uh, you know, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? You know, uncapitalized father and I and capitalized father. Um, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot going on in the story that we just don't know, which is true of a lot of narrative. And we probably shouldn't um try to fill in the blanks too much or at least do so tentatively, but it kind of gets to this whole mystery of Jesus being God and man at the same time. Uh, so let's let's talk about the story maybe first and then kind of get to those. Like, I mean, what do you think it seems like Jesus intentionally didn't tell his parents he was going to stay behind in the temple. I mean, we don't know this for sure. Uh, that maybe he was disrupting them in some way. He was sending up some sort of, I don't know. I don't know, but they they all, he knows they're all going back. It seems because there's like, they come as a company. They come as, you know, as friends and family. It's like the whole village of, you know, going to the uh, entourage, this group, it's big enough group that they don't notice he's not with them for a day. So it's more than, 20 people right uh right and so he knows i mean
1: you always wonder how like you wonder how yeah. you forget a kid it's like how did you and you start to speculate did you ask the uncle the uncle's like oh he's with us or Did you ask this i mean jesus had what mm-hmm. six brothers yeah. and sisters total so you know did you ask a sibling and I they're thought, like oh no i see him yeah it's like it's a home like alone home alone it's like this is the, the first back. home alone that's right. I mean, they, <laughs> right. Except
0: Jesus is not going, oh, no, you know, like that. Uh, right? Um, and so, you know, we don't know. We don't know the answer to that question of, of how, you know, just how did this all play out? But there's enough detail here, and there's nothing in scripture, I don't think by accident, that it kind of leads us to ponder how different he was as a 12 year old from other 12 year olds, which he should have been different. I mean, he was obviously different as a 30 year old than from other 30 year olds. Um, but he seems, it seems like, you know, again, it's the whole paradox of the God man. Like he must have known they were going back. Uh, he, he, One would think, one would think a purely human son would know his family was going back. Uh, and you know, the God man seems like he would, he would know as well. Um, and so this seems like some sort of an intentional disruption. I mean, that's a word I'm putting it, but it's essential. He's, he's doing something. He's announcing himself in some way. He's communicating something. He's telling them something, uh, not just his parents, but, obviously this became a story that was recorded in the gospels. So uh, how Luke finds this out, who he's talking to, you know, obviously, you know, I, we don't, we don't know. We know none of that, um, but we have this sense of, and it's kind of where it, 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 it dives us into um, how, how we don't understand what it is for Jesus to be both God and man. Like we don't, it's, and I think that's right. I mean, how could we, right? So I don't know. I don't think we think about it enough, but, um, so I'm sort of rambling. So what is your, like, what are your impressions from this story and wrestling with that disruption?
1: Yeah. I wonder if, um, Jesus, you know, I do think it's an intentional move, um, and I wonder what he's up to, and I wonder, like, the for for me, some of the key phrases in here when I read the narrative would be something like, when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem three days, and he's in the temple courts among the teachers listening asking questions so among the teachers and he's in the temple i think for me is probably some signal from luke to say this is a bit of a prelude a foreshadow Mm -hmm. of something larger and he's not going to unpack that yet and jesus is not going to unpack that yet but there's something there uh these would be teachers of the law um and the temple was central to the jewish understanding of where heaven met earth where the divine met with humanity sacred mundane that's the the crossover um that would have been where the worship was performed the prayers were prayed fest obviously they're up there for a festival so the festivals were held and jesus is in the temple and he refers to it as my father's house So it it seems to me like there's a signal of uh, some type of awareness of something larger to happen, even in redemptive history around teaching what the what the teaching was in the temple and the temple. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and the message to his message to them is uh, you should have known this is where I would be. You should have known this is where I belong. There's he's sending some sort of message of. This is sort of this is my true place, um, you know. It, and I think, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's an answer to the question, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Um, and you know, I, you you can't say Jesus was cruel or uncaring about his parents' feelings or whatever, but it really wasn't about the parents' feelings. It was about G- who Jesus is, what he's doing. And there's some sort of disruption there that probably Mary and Joseph needed a reminder of, this is not, don't forget who this is. Uh, yeah. Right? And he's also sort of announcing himself, sort of a I don't know, a coming out party, if you will, for, uh, you know, the people that experts in the law like here's who is this guy uh, Mm -hmm. uh, that you know everyone who was who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answer so you know his his understanding of the law was you know far beyond what it what it should have been you know just for an ordinary 12 year old uh, even for a bright 12 year old even for a studious 12 year old Uh, and so like there's something, he's saying there's something different here. Pay attention. This is important. Something in this story that we're in is you've forgotten or you need reminded of or I need to sort of announce it or something. Uh, yeah. And I kind of feel like that's sort of maybe what just God does in us if, when he wants to just, dis- when he needs to disrupt our lives is because we've settled in or we've forgotten or we've. Uh, you know, I don't know, glossed over who we really are, what story we're really in, what we're really doing here, what we should be doing kind of a thing, I guess. Um, so I think that's, there's sort of something there that, you know, Jesus wasn't being uncaring or cruel uh, and disruption might seem cruel to us when it comes, but it's not. Um and I just think there's, I have all sorts of practical questions like, where did he sleep for three days? What did he eat? Like, <laughs> right? Like, what? Right. Like, what, ha- you know, we don't, we, there's just so much we don't know. And I think that kind of stands in for how, how is it possible for a person to be God? I, right. And I don't, I don't, I don't think we wrestle with that. I don't think we wrestle with it much at all. Um, and what, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if we've, uh, I don't know, lost the mystery, replaced the mystery, um, quickly decided, well, I can't figure that out, so I'm going to move on. Uh, but to hold those intention that Jesus was divine and Jesus was fully human. Um, yeah. I, I do think we've, we've lost uh, we haven't quite exhausted ourselves thinking about it. Yeah. Its implications. Think, yeah. I think that's right. I think, and I don't know, maybe
0: do we just, is it, is it a, one of these paradoxes or these mysteries of the faith, unlike, uh, God's sovereignty and our free will, for instance, that we just care less about because it's not really about mm-hmm. us. Um, that we just like, whatever, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Uh, and we, and we maybe just let it go. Um, but I think that there is sort of this, we have to remember that, that he is not like us. Uh, Cause I, I do feel like we can be like, would this be okay for a non-God man, 12 year old to do to their parents? I would venture to say probably not. Right. if Your 12 year old was like, did he, did he get grounded after this? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you if your 12 year old did this to you, you would be understand. I mean, like Mary and Joseph are understandably upset and yet he's like, yeah, but I'm not doing anything wrong. Like you, I'm not, I'm not your ordinary 12 year old. I'm also God. I'm in my father's house. I have some sort of supernaturally aided perhaps understanding of the law in some way. We don't, we don't understand. Uh, I mean, how much of it was him just being studious human studying of the law? How much of it was, you know, I don't know. We, we just don't know. But, Mm -hmm. and I think that's an example of, for us, the danger of using Jesus as an example without wrestling with this God man reality. Um,
1: Okay. Say say that again or say, say more about that.
0: Well, I just think we, okay, Jesus did this. So everything Jesus did, we should do, which of course we don't really mean. I mean, we're, we're not healing people or whatever. I think it becomes a convenient thing when we want to tell people go and sin no more, for instance, which, okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Because, um or even i forgive you is different for coming from me if you have wronged me and i'm for i'm off you know i want to forgive you that's a different thing from god forgiving me mm-hmm. because i owe you forgiveness god doesn't owe me forgiveness right yeah, and I, yeah. And so i think it's like i don't think i think we wrestle we don't wrestle with and I've, I've heard, I've had this said to me, you probably have too, when we're, when we're talking about how do we interact with people who are lost or people who, you know, have different beliefs or whatever. I've had it said to me, you know, what well, can't we just, Jesus just told them to go and sin no more. Can't we just do that? And I would say, well, no. I mean, how does that sound coming from me? If I tell you, <laughs> Chad, go and sin no more.
1: Well, let's analyze it for a second. First of all, he said that to one person. He didn't just say that to them. So there was no them category of lost yeah. people that he said that to. All he you said bad that to people he said no more. Right. right. So uh, then coming from someone like me, it it kind of implies I have mastered sure. uh Uh, the battle against sin. So I'm telling you go and do likewise, which I do think we get into trouble with, with the uh, Jesus as an example. Now he, he, there, there is uh, in a sense where Jesus is our example. We find that in Paul and in Hebrews, I I believe. Um, But he's not only our example. I think there's a, if I can just take us on a, a trail that I think will, uh, but I think it still applies. Uh, There's a, A hermeneutic in play uh, just simply means the way we're interpreting the text when we look at Jesus only as our example and uh, we do this with the Bible in other places as well and it's a uh, it's it's a, a moral moralizing way of looking at the Bible so what I mean is we probably have done something like an Aesop's fable to the text and we read it and then we say okay but what's the moral like what am i supposed to do so we read david overcoming Mm -hmm. goliath on behalf of uh the nation of israel and then we think i'm supposed to beat my giants you see with when the reality is is i'm not the anointed king of israel i'm not joseph i'm not jesus there may be things in there for me to emulate but first and foremost we have to establish I'm a part of the redeemed community, who I'm being fought for. Jesus is the new David, right? I'm a part of those who are uh, in captivity, waiting for Moses to bring about Exodus. So I, I'm a part of that community. I'm not necessarily these these uh, this anointed person who's been called. You, you see what I mean? I could finish totally. that sentence, but I think you get the point. Totally, I think that's right.
0: So, who I am in the story? compared to who Jesus is here in the story compared to who David is in the story the grand story that we're all in they're different that I can yes. maybe take some principles here and there but I have to be careful that you know everyone who opposes me who's powerful I have to I have to be David and try to slay them well no that's that would be a dumb <laughs> idea probably not going to work. Uh, and because we're not the one to whom has been anointed King, uh, of God's people. Uh, and there is no equivalent really to David in among people on earth right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. he was the appointed leader of God's people on the, on the earth. Um, Jesus came to fulfill all of that. Um, and so I think that's the that's the part of you know who who am I in the story, and I, then I, I think that gets to that, that, that the moralizing hermeneutic, as you said, part of that is motivated reasoning. Like it, I I I will I'm more likely to say that to myself when I want to do that. Like I find the moral I find the moral that's convenient to me. Like I want to tell people go and sin no more, and then just be done with it, right? Yeah. And so right. therefore I'm going to pick, well, Jesus said it, and he's our example in all things. But I think that's, there's a danger in saying Jesus are, is our example in all things because he's God. He's the God man. We're just the men and the women <laughs> now here.
1: Well, different to use, part I think of the story. yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I don't mean to to start any controversy. So that's not my intention here, but there's, there's, Another, you know, passage where Jesus is, is cleansing the temple. So here he's in the temple. He's right. teaching. He says in my father's house, there's two cleansings of the temple uh, uh, in Jesus' life. And so some people have argued for that. Well, see, Jesus used violence um, to get his point across. Can't I use violence? Or N.T. Wright talks about when um, uh, when George Bush was president and, and, and there was this... this Newfound terrorism evil, and the UK and America just said, "Well, let's 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 go bomb the evil." Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying anything about that except to say there is this somewhat of an assumption, and they didn't justify it with Jesus cleansing the temple. But there's somewhat of an assumption that that's how we can get rid of evil, or that's how we can um, get our point across is by see Jesus cleansed the temple. And he threw tables and he was this. And I would just argue, this is my point I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, he cleansed the temple because he was the new temple. And he was reestablishing uh, what temple worship was really about. And the bottom line for me is, I, you reap what you sow. I don't think vi- violence begets violence. Uh, and I know there's a lot to unpack there, but that's just in general. Well, I think
0: it's an example of what you were talking about before with we're trying, we extract a moral, but they, we're extracting a moral that we that we want to extract that's convenient to our existing view. And like, we already want to do this. Uh, and it's Jesus, you know, speaking very harshly to Pharisees and so on. Yeah. Right. right. Where we want to For do that too. Yeah, all of that, like whitewashed tombs and hypocrites and well, Jesus can say, Jesus can call me a hypocrite because A, he has divine knowledge that's true and B, he's not. I'm That's yeah. true. N- neither of those are true of me. Like I don't have divine knowledge of the level of your hypocrisy. And I'm also a hypocrite. You, I might be a bigger hypocrite than you are. So me calling you a hypocrite makes no sense at all. That's sort of what I'm, you know, like I think we have to wrestle with what Jesus did—that uh, was part of his, you know, sort of prophetic office, his kingly office—that obviously doesn't make sense for me to do. And I, the danger is I will draw the morals I want to draw from the life of Jesus and say, "Well, Jesus did it," uh, and it, but it made sense for Jesus. And I think here it's this: this is a small example. It actually makes sense in some way for Jesus to. Sort of send this message to his parents to be in the temple for all this all this time. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a sin because Jesus was sinless; he didn't sin against his parents. Uh, but it would be if my twelve year old did this uh, mm-hmm. because because Jesus is different. You know, he's we're we're not him. Uh, and I think there is this, I do think that moralizing thing is a good way to put it, that our, the danger is we will just draw what we want to draw and skip over what we want to skip over. Uh, and the ways in which that we need to uh, emulate Jesus are spelled out for us in the rest of scripture as well. You know, justice and mercy and love and wisdom and faith and obedience and so on and so on and so on. Uh and I think that's that's kind of what I I I don't think we wrestle with the God man mystery and it and it ends up biting us because we want mm-hmm. to, to take examples from Jesus life that that just don't fit. Uh and you know, I don't again I don't know that there's an I don't have an easy answer to I don't know. I, I think that we just need to wrestle with it. There's a mystery here that we have enough to know there's a mystery to wrestle with. I don't think it's solvable. Like, what does it mean? How is it possible for Jesus to be both God and man? I don't, it's not a question we can answer. Right.
1: Yeah. Cause
0: yeah. we don't know what it's like to be God.
1: Uh, I think one of the things you've kind of implied that I think is a necessary apologetic for today's culture is some level of humility and vulnerability with who we are and i think um one of the one of the uh dangers uh people are very suspicious of power structures authority religion uh in general today and and one of the dangers of being a teacher uh being a, a teacher in the church or a small group leader or a pastor who preaches regularly and not realizing this and not communicating clearly that I'm a part of the people that Jesus might be calling hypocrites. I'm a part of the people who I'm not on that side with Jesus pointing my finger down. I'm a part of the community who he's talking to. Mm -hmm. The danger of doing that is it continues to feed suspicion, but it also blurs the line between thus saith the Lord and thus saith the preacher. Right you right. know which to me is we we need to make really clear distinctions you shared an article uh with me a while ago from covenant seminaries uh the well it wasn't Covenants, it's the presbyterian but a covenant professor wrote it and it was basically titled uh infallible preachers of god's infallible uh, infallible preachers fallible preachers of god's infallible word like we mm-hmm. we're fallible the word's not fa- uh, fallible like we have weaknesses and problems and sins, but the the scripture is true. And so I think it's a a really helpful distinction to keep making. But I think you're right. If we start to wrestle with the disruption of the God man, we probably can make healthier distinctions about who I am and who I'm not and what my role in the story is and what it's not.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good, very good. Like, that's right. Jesus is talking to me when he's calling those people hypocrites. I'm not talking to, you know, the the hypocrites I see, we want to put Jesus's words in our mouth instead of in our ears, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we can, to some extent we put Jesus's words in our mouth, but only when we put them in our ears first, that Mm -hmm. we should be very humble before we make any proclamations. We should, it should come from a place of humility and uh, grace because we are subject to all of these things that we are, saying uh and it applies to teachers of course but it it applies to really any interaction with from you know believers they have with each other or you know believers have with non-believers that um, you know i have to look at it's the you know i have to look at the log in my own eye first and you know the thing is jesus didn't have to look at the log in his own eye because he's god Uh, And I think that's kind of what you're saying is uh, be careful. You know, we have to be careful to remember this is going to sound. Yeah. Very basic, but remember you're not Jesus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's simply profound. (laughs) Uh,
0: And it's easy to forget because when we can start quoting him, you know, favorably as if. You know, we're the ones saying it when we're first subject to it. I think that's the way you put it. I think is very good. Like we're first hearers of Jesus's prophetic words uh, before we say it, and and we don't have any more prophets. And, you know, we had prophets until Jesus was the last prophet. We don't. We don't have any more prophets. So that whole prophetic office, where this is what the Lord says to you, people of Missouri or South Carolina, uh, you know, <laughs> we don't have that's that. That's
1: why I'm very hesitant, very hesitant. And and I think to give grace to these conversations, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I'm not saying God doesn't speak and um, make impressions to individuals and things like that, but I'm very hesitant when it's God told me, God told me, God told me, because often the person it's it is an on par with the thus saith the Lord uh, mm-hmm. prophetic voice. Therefore, this is going to be accomplished. I have to do this. This is, this is what we're supposed to do. Um, I, I, I think it's, a, for me, it's a much better balance to say with humility, I, I think this is, or yeah. this is what I want. Yeah, And right. that's I don't okay think it's to wrong say. to say that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, being involved in church leadership, you know, I think that was one of your, ironclad rules you know don't tell me what I don't don't tell me I feel led or I feel led we should do this or
1: I didn't know that got out I thought that was airtight to the team I said if you say God put this on my heart I'll try really hard to get you fired right Right. (laughs) right and I but
0: I've had that set like I really you know because church members will say it and you know I really feel led I really feel like God's telling me we should do this and as someone responsible or partly responsible for the decision, I would kind of say, well, he's got to tell me. Right. <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> like he hasn't told me, so I don't know what to do about that. Um, <laughs> that and I think it is sort of, we want to grab divine uh, permission or divine authority. And, you know, that uh, that's all sorts of things that does for us. It gives us certainty. You know, it gives us righteousness. It takes away doubt, you know, but it's 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 a pretty dangerous thing to say. And I, obviously God does lead people. He might lead me to do this or lead me to do that. But my experience is he leads me. I really need to forgive that person. Mm-hmm. Or really, I should reach out to that person and ask them how they're doing. That's the sort of leading I typically get, not... I believe our church should start this program of something, something that's going to take, uh, you know, $50,000 over budget. And, you know, we need to hire a staff person for it. Well, okay. I, I mean, I can't, I don't know what to do with that or, uh, you know, uh, because it, it, it's it's not, this, we can't make decisions on what, you know, God is saying to one person in their, in their opinion. <laughs> and it's, it's really, the, it's, it's the same thing as, as you said, the David, you know, drawing the moral from We're sort kind of drawing what we want to draw with some sort of divine authority or some sort of biblical sanction or some sort of something. Uh, yeah. And I just think that's kind of understandable. And it is in a way, it's a bit mysterious because we, right, we we do need to be led by God's word and God's spirit. Mm-hmm. I just think we need to be a little more humble about it. and And some of the leading is pretty clear, you know, to be, truthful, to be gracious, to have faith, to forgive, uh, to love people. Uh, that's the, that's the leading we probably should normally feel pretty confident. That's what it is.
1: Well, this is is just my opinion and this is just my perspective and it's, I'm willing to be wrong, but to me, that's almost all of the leading And if you want to dream up something to do in this world god usually gives you a lot of wisdom and a lot of freedom to to think about it work as a team and make those choices yeah Um, i usually don't operate under you know do you want me to to go here and eat or do you want me to start this new thing i usually i pray about it but i i I don't often get these that's the divine impression god gives us wisdom and freedom to create and go forward but to your point most importantly the things that he's already revealed um, in the scriptures about what it means to be faithful to him. Those are the primary things I think he's interested in leading us in.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. So he might lead us in that, in a particular example in our life. And I do think God obviously moves so that ministries sure. and missions are started, but I don't think he has to move in one person only that if it's really something, you know, he can lead the whole church or he can lead a leader, you know, leadership of the church in that direction and so on uh and we can let let God move in in humility uh and and it's it's something God's doing and, and not something that I'm doing in his name uh so I don't know I mean that's sort of a uh I don't know you know practically speaking, you know what how to leave people with this yeah you know, so we come to the end of this podcast uh except um, be humble. Uh, understand you're not Jesus and be careful in claiming his words as your words to speak. I I don't know. Is that, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? How would you say it?
1: Yeah. I think the more we wrestle with uh, the divine mystery of Trinity and of uh, Jesus D and humanity, the more we might, understand our role in the story and play that well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's at the end of the day, faithfulness is what, you know, God asks us, uh, asks us for to be faithful, uh, and not to make something happen or I don't know, slay the giants. I mean, if it's slaying the giant is what he's asking us for in that moment to be faithful, then that's, that's great. But David's faithfulness and our faithfulness is the same thing exactly, Uh, Mm -hmm. obviously. And Jesus's faithfulness and our faithfulness isn't the same thing exactly. We're not going to die for the sins of the world and be raised again to offer new. I mean, only He is is doing those things. And so, um, and I don't know that maybe just to leave it with this as well, that some mystery is not only okay, it's required. Like if we can't take the mystery out of the God man thing, we can't lay in the plane exactly. And that's not only permissible, it's right and good and necessary. Wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. To hold on to the mystery and to let it be mystery um, and still try to grapple with it.
0: Yeah, right. That I don't know exactly where the line is between Jesus is my example and of what I should do, and Jesus is an example of God showing us who God is on the earth, uh, and that's okay. That I can wrestle with that, and He can lead me around that. And there's plenty that is clear for me that I can be faithful in, uh, and, and and as I live within the mystery of uh, the divine mystery of the incarnation, that Jesus is the God Man. Uh, and then I am not. Uh, and so let's leave it there. Uh, let's leave it there with uh, Jesus as the the man who was God and the God who became man. And uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so grace and peace, everybody. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church media Productions podcast. Be sure to
1: subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.